Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Geek Buddies. Hey! Getting there. We're getting there. That's a positive overall. I think it's better than we did last week, so that's a good thing overall. Thank you all so much for uh, downloading this episode and uh, getting ready to listen to our hijinks, our tomfoolery, our shenanigans about the world of entertainment, and so many things. Uh, I am John Roca. I'm a writer, producer, and host of the Outlaw Nation, and host on another uh, numerous other podcasts. Uh, I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor. Where you may have seen me on Silicon Valley, Nine One One, and Brooklyn Nine Nine. You have anything coming up, Shannon? That you can talk about or no? Nah, man, nothing shooting. Okay. <laughs> nothing, right. nothing shooting. There was well, a role. Well, there was yeah. a role. I think I told you guys about. It. There was a role that I had been up for. Yeah. Um, that I thought I was gonna get it, and it was actually shooting in New York, and yeah. it would have flown out the week that all of this stuff went down. So wow, thank goodness wow. I didn't get it. Right. Right. Well, what about you, Mike? You got anything you, you've been pitching around town? Has everything put has everything been put on hold because you were pitching all over the country? Are you now on hold? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, for the moment, everything is everything is not going. I mean, and some animation studios are still like working and doing stuff because uh, a lot of studios are figuring out how to do things remotely. And with animation, you can still do some stuff. But uh, yeah, I think for picking up new things, like all of the things that I was pitching around town are kind of on hold until this is all over. So I have some small projects that I'm working on and a couple things. So I'm still doing like a little bit of work, but mostly I'm laying around and watching stuff and uh, trying to fill my quarantine days with excitement yeah. and, uh, and, and things around the house. Yeah. My two fellow buddies are watching a lot of things and just think that I'm watching what they're watching and just going like, Hey, let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. Well, I have to catch up because I'm doing a lot of things trying to build this damn uh, uh, outlet, this damn network. Uh, so I, <laughs> I do the best I can to try to watch stuff. But one of the things they suggested I watch is the first episode of Tiger King. So we are going to definitely be talking about that later on in this first block 
of the show. Uh, and of course, we'll talk about we're going to talk about Wonder Woman 1984. We're going to talk about the delays going on there. We're certainly going to talk about uh, this Iron Man uh, two versus or Iron Man three rather versus Thor two argument that's been raging across the internet because people have nothing else to do. And then of course. <laughs> The Ahsoka Tano situation showing up in Clone Wars, how that inspires us to talk about what characters we'd like to see jump from the uh, animated series or from print uh, or even the comic book series uh, into live action and which ones we think we'd like to see or which ones we think would work work best. So uh, that's what we're doing today here on this episode of The Geek Buddies. Um, What else can we say before we start? Anything else anybody wants to say? No, nah, I just hope that everyone is doing well out there. Hope you're practicing social distancing. Hope that you're staying at home, staying safe. Yeah. Yeah. And Stay staying safe. entertained. Right. Oh, staying entertained. Wow, I was just saying entertained. I, you do get to a whole other place. But yeah, that's important too. Come on, you know people are hooking up. You know people are hooking up with this whole coronavirus thing. That's not what the show's about, but you just know that's happening. I'm just saying. <laughs> I know it's going out there. I mean, for God's sakes, we know it's going on in the world. Uh, but uh, for those of you who are downloading okay. us for the first, <laughs> all right, yeah, this is a, oh, it's a very special episode of the Geek Buddies, I guess. <laughs> I've been in the house for fourteen days. Okay, anyway, uh, um, <laughs> uh, what we're doing, uh, uh, you know, for those of you who are downloading us or giving us uh, give us a chance for the first time, thank you so much. For those of you who are returning, thank you so much as well. Uh, and uh, the way we do the show is each of us tackles one geek news item. We talk about it for a little bit and we move on to the next one. We do three of them in our first block. Then we take a, a few seconds of a break and then jump into our main topic. So uh, let's jump into it now. Who's going first? That would be me. So. The coronavirus has basically shut down all the movie theaters in the U.S. right now, yeah. which everyone kind of, you kind of uh, thought that that was coming. You heard rumors that like a couple of small theaters are still open here and there, but it seems like now most movie theaters are shuttered. And with that, the summer movies are continually getting delayed. We've heard movies of Black Widow, for instance, we talked about last week, was delayed to an unspecified date. Uh, this week, Wonder Woman 84, which was supposed to be coming out in the first week in June, first weekend in June, was right. delayed until August 14th. So one, not a shocking move. Like everyone is kind of assuming that the summer movies might be a wash. Yeah. But the fact that they actually picked a date, that they did say August 14th, maybe the studios or Warner Brothers specifically are feeling optimistic that hopefully the bulk of this quarantine the bulk of this coronavirus epidemic pandemic will have passed by then gentlemen mm. what do we think mikey uh yeah i mean i kind of agree with you i think i think a couple of things i think that uh i was saying to somebody the other day with all of the different you know every time you turn on the news there's somebody saying what they think uh you know trump recently said he hopes by easter everything is fine other people are saying that's a bit too uh optimistic and that we're going to be in it for longer and I was telling someone that I feel like watching what the movie studios are doing is one of like the most, at least most solid ways to kind of tell what's going on. Uh, you know, June yeah. up till this week was kind of like still open territory. I think the studios were still feeling like, okay, well, hopefully we get through May, we're good. And Warner Brothers moving uh, Wonder Woman definitely kind of indicates that they're thinking that this is still going to be pretty much shut down uh, in June. And Shannon, I agree with what you were saying. The fact that they did move it to August as opposed to Disney that sort of moved everything off the plate. And even if it w I'm sure they have plans and strategies for what movies they're going to move, what they're going to replace, you know, whether 
like as we were saying, Black Widow is going to take the Eternal spot and Eternals is going to get pushed or whatever. They haven't let us know that. But knowing that Warner Brothers just sort of picked that date in August, it either means they're feeling good about it or it means they're just trying to mark territory. Like they're just trying mm-hmm. to make sure that they get that weekend in August, that they saw that that was a prime weekend uh, in this sort of new summer movie schedule. And they're trying to get it before Disney puts Black Widow there or Mulan there or something else. That's, yeah, that's what I defaulted to mentally is I think this is Warner Brothers and DC's move to try to kind of claim this territory, this area of August, because they anticipate that this will probably maybe break the crestal, you know, like the top of the wave will finally come crashing down and we'll get past this and kind of swim back out into the ocean as moviegoers and we'll come in droves, right? We'll come in droves back to the theater. I'm not saying that's going to happen. And look, some of the Chinese theaters have started to reopen. That news uh, came in over the overnight last night. And so if those are starting to reopen, I think that's going to give us a little bit of a hint of how people are going to react about going back to the movie theaters. Will will the Chinese come back in droves to see this? They're launching like five past blockbusters, include the Avengers movie, Avatar. I mean, all the Avengers movies, rather. Avatar, Interstellar. So six of those blockbusters are supposed to be coming out to kind of encourage people to go to the theater in China and come back to the theater in China. So we'll see how they react to that. And that'll give us an idea about how humans, or I'm mean, sorry, how Americans might react to this situation and see what, how they're going to come back to theater. But I think you're right, Mike. I think it's moved to August because they want to kind of say, we're the first thing out. We've been scheduled it. Come see us, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Because I think this means that May and June is still going to be lockdown time for these theaters. And this is really an in interesting uh, territory for these studios to be in because, I mean, a lot of them really base their money off, uh, base their success off these films that come out during these pop popcorn season and that funds other films coming down the pike uh in the next year more the independent films or the more mature films or the more uh films they want to take a chance on with properties they want to maybe bring back so the fact that they're moving just to august and no, no other thing like in the heights wasn't given a date they moved jo- J- um, uh, james wan's film off that time they moved all these other things scoob and i can't go see scoob now uh when it was scheduled to go uh and there's another film that they moved off as well so they, they were moving all these things around but wonder woman and patty jenkins said this she said she announced the date and she said this needs to be seen in the theater so there's not going to be any kind of streaming thing for wonder woman 1984 and i think it's a bit of a power move uh for lack of a better term by warner brothers to say like we think this is when it's finally going to stop being an issue we won't be we want to be the movie you come back to the theaters to go see yeah, yeah which i think I mean, makes sense yeah because i mean fast uh fast nine was the only one that i think had set a specific date and it was yes. over it was a year later yeah Quiet place bar two they moved that well, no no well, date james bond too right to november 25th oh, that right, was the right, first right. one then fast nine right, right. yeah right is yeah and that's november for james bond correct yes, november okay. 25th yeah okay yeah. yeah well we'll see what happens time guys i <laughs> i love summer movie season so much and it's the first time in history we're not going to have a summer movie season it's crazy oh man I mean, this is where our friendships were built. Let's be honest. The Geek Buddies were built in summer movie season. I mean, this is what <laughs> no. we went to go do. You know? I mean, we met in the fall, but we didn't really start doing things until the summer movie season. You guys obviously <laughs> yeah. had known even each in other a, before. Even in, a, even in college, our friend Josh Moon used to say, he was like, summer movies is your time. Winter movies is my time. Because he, uh, he liked the Oscar contenders and I liked the blockbusters. So yeah, that is true. Uh, yeah, so no summer movies this year. I mean- it's interesting. You know, I did, uh, you guys had already seen it. I paid the $20 the other night uh, and rented Invisible Man to watch yeah. at home, which was actually delightful. It was like 
something to do in the evening. I was excited all day. Like, oh, we're going to order dinner and we're going to watch Invisible Man and had a blast. It was fantastic. So I do like that the studios are kind of like not doing an all, it's not all movies just getting pushed. It's not everything right. just going to streaming, but like they're picking and choosing and they're saying, hey, we'll give you these movies. And then these were saving, like you said, like Patty Jenkins saying that Wonder Woman needs to be seen on the big screen. It's like, cool. Like, I can't wait to go back and see it. I just, I hope that it is in August. So yeah. fingers crossed. Well, and yeah, to John's point about the fall, like when we all met in the fall, what we were talking about were the summer movies from just a couple of months before. <laughs> Great points. Great points. And when are they coming out? I got to buy it on DVD or Blu-ray. Well, I guess DVD at that time. Yeah. We have a, when, we have a very limited sphere of conversation, the three of us. That's... <laughs> That's what we talk about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I know. Give, give this a couple of weeks. This podcast is going to be filled with uncomfortable silences. <laughs> yeah, right. Just like, hey, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming to the Geek Buddies. Today's topic. So, uh, top <laughs> 10 uh, Marvel movies. Uh, so I, uh, <laughs> I played tic-tac-toe today. <laughs> that was good. Uh, that was good. Well, we all can't be dressing up at onesies and doing Zoom uh, meetups, so we, we have to do the best we can in that Listen. way. So, <laughs> you got to spend those evenings somehow. If I'm not going to go out and meet people for drinks, I'm putting on a onesie and having a drink on Zoom. That's how you do it. Well, I have a, I have a, it. I have a friend's birthday party tonight at nine. There is also a dress code for that. We are doing oh. a gay cruise, gay cruise chic to remember uh, the the happier times when we could all be outdoors together. So oh. we put together an outfit for that as well. Mm. Well, then I have a, of that uh, one online. We'll see, maybe. Okay. And then I have uh, on uh, tomorrow night. I actually have a a uh, a virtual date night with a friend to watch a Disney movie. We're gonna pick a Disney oh, movie nice. and we're gonna virtually watch it together. So you gotta That's stay great. busy, guys. You gotta you gotta. If you're an extrovert, you gotta stay social. That's true. You That's keep true. People, or you go crazy. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah that's right Lily and i've been sneaking out late at night around seven or eight when the sun's finally gone down it's dark and walking for an hour because we've been kind of like like walking at a time where we don't think a lot of people are out and about and also where a lot of people won't run by and yell at us for being out walking around because you know people get crazy about the social distancing stuff, yeah. which i totally understand but I, you know, you've we actually had to, people yell at you. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. A couple of people uh, yelled at us from the the um, car when they're driving by on like the, the main strip in there, Beverly Hills. They're like social distancing just to be assholes or whatever. So they do that. So it's it's fine. Uh, but I, I but I think that's a smart idea. I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but particularly for me, because I was already working from home prior to this. So yeah, my days, aside from not aside from having to work out at home in the morning, my days are kind of the same. Like I make coffee. I do my breakfast. I watch CNN for a little while. I do writing. I do emails. I don't have as much writing to do right now, but I do what I can do. And then I kind of spend the day doing whatever. And it's actually around five or six o'clock where the stir crazy really starts to set in. Yeah, yeah. Cause usually that's when I like go, go meet you guys to see a movie or go grab a drink with somebody or go get dinner with a friend and catch up. And like, that's kind of like I get out of the house and then I come home and settle in for the night. And so right. not having that has been the hardest part. So I do think like going out and taking a walk uh, when the sun goes down is actually a really good idea. This is self-isolation. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what it feels like when you're in there, but yeah. Yeah. So you do what you can. You do what you can. I mean, she's gotten me into RuPaul's Drag Race UK. So we're watching that first season together. Oh, the UK version. Yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm on season 12 of the US version right now. So uh, you, you got to get caught up and then we can talk about that on here, too. <laughs>
Uh, well, one thing we can talk about, speaking of raging all across the internet, is uh, this thing that's been happening uh, with Iron Man. This, for some reason, you know, and this is the way it goes, right? We're all sitting around. Someone has to spark a debate. And who knew that there were these hidden feelings of anger going on, on the internet between what uh, between these two films about which is the worst MCU film? We should get into it now, right? Iron Man. Well, well, I just have a I have a question. Sure. But go go ahead and finish it. Yeah, but go, I was going to say Iron Man, Iron Man three versus Thor two. This is the raging fire of a debate on social media about which film is the worst. I think this is a. A, a moot debate because Iron Man 2 is the worst of them. But okay, like, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah. This is what I tweeted, but apparently this is all over the internet. People are standing for Iron Man 3. People are defending Thor 2 Dark World. People are saying Iron Man 2 is not even the conversation because they think it's actually good. It has redeeming qualities, and I don't understand. What's the official stance of the Geek Buddies? Do we all believe that Iron Man 2 is the worst MCU film? Yes. I say so. Shannon. I'll tell you why. Well, I'll tell you, I, I have I have a reason why I think because I don't I think those three are the three worst Marvel films. I think we can all right. agree that those three are at the bottom. Will will not agree, but continue. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here I love it. <laughs> um, I uh, yeah, Iron Man two to me is just not a good movie. I think it just doesn't really have anything going for it. I think that Robert Downey Jr. is still. Tony Stark and that's good but aside from that there's not a lot going on yeah I think Thor 2 is a bad movie but I think Thor 2 gives you the beginnings of the really great relationship between Thor and Loki yes that wasn't as prevalent in Thor 1 I, I think that Thor 2 is where you saw this dynamic between those two between Tom Hiddleston and Chris Hemsworth that was like that's that's really good and you got a really really good Captain America cameo so like yes. Thor 2 has that going for it what Iron Man 3 has going for it is Tony Stark dealing with the PTSD he's having post-Avengers. Yeah. That they really doubled down on. Avengers was such a big event that it was bigger than any human being has ever dealt with before. And Tony was having a really hard time with that. So I think those two things are the good things in those movies. So I think the debate is, to me, and I don't really know the answer, which of those two things is better? Tony having PTSD or the Thor Loki relationship. And that's right. how you debate which one is the second worst. Cause Iron Man two is the worst Shannon. Right. Okay. So I've been doing, you guys know this. I've been doing a little MCU marathon rewatch every night. And right now I just did Captain America first Avenger last night. So ah, still holds uh, up, right? It, it's so fantastic. I, you know, yeah. a lot of people have issues with Captain America and I understand the montage is a little montage. Bucky's yeah. Bucky's uh, fall gets bungled in my opinion. But Iron Man 2, that was a case of they did not, it was a rush job. Like yeah. Iron Man came out in 2008, Iron Man 2 came out in 2010. And I don't remember specifically, but John Favreau expressing some reticence about having that quick a turnaround. Like right. we need a little bit more time. And the thing that they needed more time with was the script because you had great aspects of that movie. I mean, uh, uh, Sam Rockwell as Justin Hammer, like that is right. such a great performance. Hopefully they are able to bring him back at some point. They probably won't. They bought, they brought him back for the, the short with Ben Kingsley. Yeah. Um, even uh, the, the, and I don't think that, that it, it was not the best introduction of Scarlett Johansson's black widow. I don't think she had really had a handle on what the role was yet. Um, yeah. But she and uh, John Favreau had a fantastic, the happy Hogan black widow 
um, infiltration sequence at Justin Hammer's place. I mean, that was a great sequence. There, there are great, there are great aspects to it that just didn't all come together. And anytime you have Robert Downey Jr. in a Marvel movie, it's going to be entertaining. Thor 2, I will defend until the day I die. I enjoy Thor 2. I don't think it belongs anywhere near the bottom. I mean, maybe five or six spots up. Maybe five or six spots up. What's worse than Thor 2? Um, Iron Man Man 2. Okay. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. For me, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel will connect with me. I can see Thor. To, I, I like Thor Dark World. I've seen it numerous times. I will never see Captain Marvel again. Never. I mean, once was enough. And, and I had to see it, I think, a second time with you guys. And I just was bored out of my freaking skull. It's not my jam. She does a, a great job at it. I think there's a better movie. And I think that's not a coincidence that they moved those two directors off for the right. sequel. And for me, so I just didn't like it that much. But Thor Dark World, I, I think Shannon and I are in the Man of Steel camp with against you, Mikey, on this one. <laughs> we both we both enjoy this movie. And I, I really like uh, what goes on with the, the with the Stellan Skarsgård character. I even don't mind so the Cat Denning stuff. Uh, I, I like that. I think Natalie Portman has more to do in this one than be just the wide eyed looking around at what a weird uh, muscly guy from Asgard that she does in the first film. I think they give her more to do here. Uh, I like the playfulness of that little thing that's jumping around, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but definitely what you pointed on first, what you hit on first, Michael, is this relationship between Loki and Thor, the death of, of Thor's mom. That is heartbreaking and powerful and so unusual to see in a film to see loki against the wall just completely crestfallen and broken because the one person he actually loves in the whole family dies and the rest of the people who he doesn't love are still alive and how much that destroys him and you see them coming together to to fight against christopher eccleston christopher eccleston's character and yes you can definitely have issues with that i got no problems with that certainly that was not well done undercooked so to speak but overall, I actually enjoyed that film a lot more uh, than most people give it credit for. Uh, but Iron Man 3, I also will defend. I like Iron Man 3. I like uh, uh, Guy Pierce in the movie. I like his transition from the opening to what he is afterwards. Um, and I know people can get mad at me. I think he does a better job than Sam Rockwell does as Justin Hammer. I enjoy his character more. I'm, 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 I'm glad that he can dance in a three-piece suit. That's sweet. But I like what Guy Pierce is doing more in terms of the villainy and the ch- and the charm and the true dread and but terror. They're so, they're so different. They're, they're totally different. Yeah, right, right. right. But okay. people try to say Iron Man 2 is, is better because of, uh, of that. And I don't agree with Sam Rockwell's performance. I don't think that's the reason why it's better. I just don't. And I like Rebecca Hall. I like her being someone you don't know what side of the fence she's on. But number one is what Michael brought up, and that's the PTSD angle. That is important to me personally as a person who served in the military who understands about PTSD. I also think there's no way you don't have that those subjects broached in Endgame if you don't first send up the flare of it in, our, in uh, Iron Man 3. This yeah, idea I think that's a good PTSD, point. Right, the ramifications, and you see them deal with it all in Endgame. Yeah. I think the the where Iron Man 3 doesn't do it for me. I mean, it's a great episode. It's what I called Thor 2 for a long time. Thor the Dark World is a great episode of the Thor TV show. Great. Same thing totally. with Iron Man 3. Like it's it's mm-hmm. I, I understand your PTSD argument, but ultimately it, it is um not essential to the DNA of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole. And I think coming off the sort of Titanic okay. reception that Avengers got. Iron Man 3 was just sort of like, ah, oh, okay, what yeah. next? Well, I think that they fixed it. They fixed their formula, and we'll see how long they can sustain it with the Captain America movies. Yep. Because both Winter Soldier and obviously Civil War are, 
they're Captain America sequels. His arc, Steve's arc is at the center of them, but they definitely feel like they grew bigger and bigger along with the Marvel Universe, whereas mm. the Thor movies and the Iron Man movies kind of don't. Except, they, for, they feel, except for Ragnarok. Ragnar no, Ragnarok for sure does. Like Ragnarok right. does yeah, feel like yeah, it yeah. kind of builds on everything. Look, I think maybe my issue with Thor 2 is that you two just went off and saw it without me and didn't tell me about it. <laughs> and maybe that, that's why that's right. I have such a horrible feeling about it in my heart is because I texted you guys from work to ask if you wanted me to get the tickets for Thor 2 and you two were just sitting uh. in the movie theater together having gone without me. Uh, and uh. I think maybe, maybe that's my issue with Thor 2. Maybe I have to give it another shot. Uh. <laughs> Every once in a while, you get to get left out and see what it feels like, Mike. Uh, yeah, it's, it's I don't okay. like it. It's good for you. It's healthy for I you. I don't. I don't prefer that. I prefer <laughs> to be left in. Uh, don't get the tickets. We're already in the theater. We're already in. The theater. <laughs> I will say though. I will say this for our listeners who just want a little uh, window into the universe of our friendship. Yeah. At least Roka was honest. I was. I was. Shannon. Shannon would have gone down with the ship, lying about it, and said, "Don't." <laughs> Tell, don't tell him. We'll just go see it again. Don't tell him we're here. And Johnny uh, at least texted me and told me tr told me true. I did. Okay. I did. Okay. One. And, and to be John, fair. Okay, okay. Hold on. <laughs> John, well, I gotta hear this. I John hear did that. not call you to tell you the truth. John texted you to stick it to you. No, that's not true at all. And that's I would not. not have, I would not have lied about it. I would have omitted. <laughs> I would have. I would have lied by. Fact omission. Right, right. I just we know. We know Vegas boy. We know how you handle things. I what I said when I twisted uh, Michael was I said to Michael I said uh, no we're in the theater now. I wasn't doing it to stick it to him. I was just saying uh, John, we should tell him because Jen and I we John, had the we conversation were about this. We were. No, laughing. Yeah, we, were I think, we were. But I, I, I think we should. I think we should move on to the next topic because this is, this is a very difficult topic for me. Well, all right, let's bringing up that. a lot of things. <laughs> let's let's not necessarily move on. The question more is like, what do you do? Is there? Do you guys? Let's end this section by saying, like, what do you think sparks these kinds of debates? Is it just stir crazy stuff, or is there really kind of this underlying feeling about like the worst MCU film? Is this something that people really kind of have conversations no, about all look, the time? Yesterday uh, on a completely different subject, but I think this answers the question I found this, uh, this, someone else posted this. There was this like tier list that you could do yesterday where you could rank like almost all of the Disney animated movies and oh, the right. Pixar movies. I saw you post uh, that, and, yeah. and, and I posted it yesterday and I spent the next three hours of my day arguing with people about my rankings who they couldn't believe that I put Monsters University above Monsters Inc, which is what I argue about the most and like a bunch of other things. Right. I think this is the other thing. We are all sitting at home. We are all either, we are all somewhere on the scared shitless, terrified, anxious, bored, stressed, dealing with our kids. Like what, wherever we are on this spectrum, we need something to distract yeah. us. And honestly, Arguing about what's better, Thor 2 or Iron Man 3, is a hell of a lot better than arguing about social distancing or when this is all going to be over. Like, right, this right. is just fun. Like, we need to have fun. And this is a fun debate, yeah, as we I are seeing here. Agreed. Uh, I, there are so many I, things out of our control right now. Yeah, right. Thing in our control is our opinions. Yeah, true. What were you going to say, Mikey? I was going to say that I think, based on what you guys are saying, 
And based on the fact that I do think that the Thor Loki relationship is pretty awesome, I think I would say that Thor that uh, Thor two goes above Iron Man three. I think for me, my rankings would be mm. Iron Man two at the bottom, then Iron Man three, then Thor two. That's me. Okay. I- Iron Man two, bottom. Uh, yeah. Thor one, not a fan of. Okay. Captain Marvel. Wow. <laughs> wow. All right. I would say, uh, definitely, I would say Iron Man 2, Captain Marvel. And this is not a shot of Brie Larson. I like Brie Larson in the movie. Uh, I, yeah, Iron Man 2, Captain Marvel. Then I'd say, yeah, probably Thor 2. And oh, then Harrison. and then Iron, Iron Man 3 and then Thor 1. Yeah, I think that's how I go. Because, mm-hmm. look, I just like Hemsworth as Thor. I really do. So it kind of wins the day for me. And I still enjoy the first one for the comedic beats that he puts in that film. I do enjoy that. Yeah. So. I will defend that film uh, and what, and I think as much as I do enjoy Kat Dennings in Iron Man, uh, sorry, in Thor two, it does get a little much after the restaurant scene where she goes to get Chris O'Dowd, you know, take Natalie away from Chris O'Dowd. Uh, she's a lot more palatable in the first one, and in the second one, it starts to get a little annoying towards the end of the film, and that's why she was yeah. in the third one. There's no, I don't think there's any need to bring Kat Dennings back ever again in that role for the MCU, but I imagine they will at some point. Uh, uh, WandaVision. WandaVision. She's in WandaVision. Oh, she is? Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Fair enough. All right. Well, there you go. She'll be back. And she Now, there she fits. That makes a lot of sense. That kind of humor fits for what she's going to do in WandaVision. Her, her unique style of humor fits for WandaVision. So there you go. Uh, all right. What's our uh, last one before we get into our break? Tiger King. Oh man. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's me. Uh, so Netflix, uh, in this age of uh, you know, first when quarantine really first hit and people started to have to stay at home, they gave us Love Is Blind, which was a very bingeable show, and thank God for that. And then they've given us maybe the greatest gift of 2020 so far: the documentary Tiger King, uh, about uh, about Joe Exotic. And his Oklahoma Tiger Zoo and the shenanigans and hijinks that go on. It is a seven-episode documentary. Uh, My brother and I watched it this past weekend. We watched all seven episodes within 24 hours because we could not stop. Shannon also watched all seven episodes. And as we were preparing what we were going to talk about this week, we asked Johnny if he had watched them yet. He had not. And you just watched the first episode. Is that correct? Yeah. This morning. I watched the first episode this morning after Mornings with the Outlaw. Yes, I did. And – and, and it was funny, like we, my brother and I, like, and I don't know if this is how it was for you, Shan, like we happened to watch it, like we were sitting here and I was trying to decide what to watch. And my brother was like, oh, go to that Tiger King thing. I've heard that it's crazy and I hadn't heard anything about it. And we watched it. And by the time we got into the seventh episode, I started seeing memes. I started seeing other people on Facebook uh, talking about it, other people on Insta talking about it. And very quickly, everyone is obsessed with the show because it is super binge worthy. It is super insane. Yeah. You watch the first episode and you're like, this shit is crazy. And every episode gets crazier. Mm. Uh, John, what did you think of the first episode? Uh, here's what I'll say. Um, this is where y'all's Florida roots really come out. And I don't have the Florida roots. Because <laughs> these people, <laughs> these, these are not the kind of people you find in Virginia. Let me just put that out there now. And I was watching it going, these are absolutely insane people. And I don't understand the hubris of, uh, of certain Americans in this country who think it's okay to have big game as pets. Uh, and I'm glad in the first episode they highlight that guy because I remember reading about the guy who unleashed those all his animals out into the wild. 
so many people could have died and to have one person in charge of all those animals should not uh, happen in this country. I found myself gravitating towards the woman, although only because she's the other option, not because she's somehow more sane in this situation in a way, shape or form. Uh, but I found myself gravitating more to her point of view. And I do hope they pass. Yeah. Right. Cause I'm only doing it for the first episode. Uh, and I just thought this is absolute madness. And that Don guy who seems to be like really responsible about what he's doing uh, with those animals. I don't know if there's more to come from him, but certainly he, Seems like that would be the kind of person that could be okay having one. But, I mean, like, really, does one person well, out of 30 really make sense? Don or Doc? Do- Doc. What, yeah, the, whatever his, his, his uh, Indian name is. Bhagavad, whatever his name is. That doctor guy. Like, he – I think that's the – I think that's the exception to the rule. And just because there's one person who does it right, so, does it right doesn't mean you should have other people doing this insanity. That's, that's my impressions after the first episode. So I think what I'll say is I think in general, I don't think anybody should be keeping animals in these conditions right. at all. Uh, and I think the show uh, makes like I, I've talked to some people. And I'm like, you got to watch Tiger King. And we do have friends who are a bit more sensitive. And they're like, I don't want to watch this animal cruelty. Which I totally understand. I, I think that the documentary makes it pretty clear, makes a pretty clear statement on the fact that like nobody should really be keeping these animals like this. Like this is not a good thing. Uh, right. whatever your, whatever your opinion on, on bigger zoos are like the zoos that are much more, uh, conservation based and trying to like repopulate and doing things. Some of the bigger, better kept zoos, these zoos in, in particularly these zoos in middle America, where they're bringing people in to like pet the tigers and have these experiences. Like, it's just not good. Yeah. Yeah. What, oh, sorry. What I, well, the other thing I will say though, is what, what, what this documentary actually is about though, is. People who you think are crazy and the people that you don't think are as crazy and then watching each episode roll out and realizing that everything is way crazier than you thought it was. I have never seen a documentary where each episode you're like, oh, well, this shit just got bananas. And then you get to the end and you're like, I'm sorry. What? (laughs) Who, who, Who did what now? Uh, so everybody go watch tiger king drop what you're doing watch it right now yeah what were you gonna say it is uh, the the animal cruelty arguments aside which obviously uh, agree with both of you having sort of any any sort of big big game trying to domesticate them that's that's a terrible terrible idea um this is a coen brothers movie come to life (laughs) Had, had this docuseries never been made and it had been Fair. announced as that that's going to be their next feature. You'd be like, oh, yeah, this is nutty. This this is absolutely something Joel and Ethan Cohen would make or something Wes Anderson would make. Um, it, it, I, again, it, it is supremely watchable in the state that we are in right now and that you you are looking to kind of fill the hours. And it is. Not Netflix docuseries are great at keeping you guessing. Yeah. Um, because something that they all do is they they tee you up for hope. Mm-hmm. And then the next episode, they yank it out from under your feet. I, listen, yeah. Joe Exotic, the main character, is a gay, mulleted, <laughs> gun-toting mm-hmm. Oklahoman who has 227 tigers. Yeah. <laughs> what? You can't write that. 
that no. he's literally Corky St. Clair from Waiting for Guffman with a mullet and a southern accent. Like wow. it is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. He is the best TV that I've seen in months. Yeah. <laughs> There's no better TV than wow. Joe Exotic. Oh, and he releases his own country albums. I don't think that's his voice, but that's just yes, me. That's too. another conspiracy. There's a lot of conspiracies <laughs> about uh well, not just, just not not just country albums, Mike. He's got like um, um, underwear. He's got sex gels. He's got uh, all kinds of things you can buy in the gift shop. You can get a shirt. You can say a tiger peed on me. There you go. Those are fantastic things you can get. I, I will tell you this. I'm not going to lie to you. As, as I've been like more entrepreneurial about this channel, I was watching that and going, oh, I need to. Maybe I need to do that. Maybe it wouldn't. It's a little outlaw underwear. It wouldn't be a bad idea to sell in the line. Like there's a little bit of things that you can enjoy here. And maybe I'll go forward with it. A couple more episodes. I was telling the guys before we started the show that I think this is more their thing because that's a Florida thing. But you know maybe, what? <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll give it a couple more episodes. And I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna try and go. Yeah. To, I'm gonna try and go to bed tonight, and my phone's gonna start dinging because you're gonna get to the end of episode two or three, and you're gonna be like, "Wait a minute! Holy shit! <laughs> Carol, the that's, cat lady did what?" That's fair. That's fair because I mean, Wild 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 Country was the last one that I started like this, and I was like, "That oh, Wild Wild man. Country was a ride." That's an amazing <laughs> documentary series. So if this is even close to that then I'm going to enjoy the ride overall. But yes, this my is, first impression of it is this is madness. So <laughs> this, is, this is wild, wild country on meth. So, <laughs> which, which they get into that later. later too. Oh, I think my favorite shot was the PETA person who is in the cage screaming because uh, they're in the cage. And like, oh, yeah, Lord. they're crazy too. It's just something about animals. It turns people really primitive. They become really primal when they get around animals too much, you know? You know how, you know how like Knives Out, you know how like in Knives Out, Ryan Johnson sort of made this point in the movie that. He had characters that were super sort of traditionally right-wing conservatives. And he had characters uh, like Tony Collette that were very like uber left-wing liberal. But the yeah, whole yeah. point of the movie was that they were all awful. That's, <laughs> that's, that's Tiger King. Well, listen, I'm absolutely sensing that already from the first episode. There's no real pure person I should be on the side of. Uh, the second she pulls out her cat wardrobe, she lost me, like fully as a supporter. I was like, all right, you just, I yeah. like that you're on my side, but I'm not going to go and, you know, like be all about you in this situation. Hey there, cats and kittens. It's Carol here with your cat update. Got a kitty cat update for everybody with the cats and the kitties. Uh, meow. Uh, Woo, it, it did tiger make, King. It did make me want to go get an Inside Edition producer, though, and immediately put him on the Outlaw Nation. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, my God. John, can you picture you in a reality show? Oh, my God. That'd be amazing. That'd be brilliant. Are you kidding? By the way, she, I can absolutely she won't do it. picture that. Yeah. I can picture I've, that. I've tried to talk her into it. She won't do it. Literally, I was like, we should do it at a reality show just called The Outlaws, where the thing is on for 24 hours a day. The camera's on for 24 hours a day, following us everywhere. And she refuses to do it. But I think it would be brilliant. Uh, <laughs> at, least we know, at least we know you've got a smart woman on your hands. That's true. That's true. Fair enough. The la we call it the Llama King. That's what we call it. There we go. little South American reference. Thank you. Uh, all right. Uh, well, Tiger King's on Netflix, so give give this thing a shot. These guys talk me into it, so I will. We should all will all talk you into it. It's seven episode series. Go and see it, and uh, we'll take a quick break uh, for our people who are listening to us on the podcast version of this episode, and then we'll be right back after this. Hey. 
And we're back. Well, there it is. Uh, exciting stuff there. Thanks so much to the sponsors and thanks to us for reading those things, those words from our sponsors here on uh, on the uh, Geek Buddies show. Uh, let's jump into our main topic. Uh, Michael, you and Shannon pitch this one. Please take it away. All right. Well, uh, you know, the biggest news that happened this week, I mean, you know, there's not a ton going on in the, in the entertainment industry uh, with everything shutting down. But uh, big, big news that kind of got leaked and then got confirmed is that uh, Rosario Dawson is in wow. season two of The Mandalorian as a guest star, not a series regular. Um, and the bigger news is that she is playing... Ahsoka Tano, uh, many people's favorite Star Wars character from Star Wars Clone Wars, Anakin Skywalker's Padawan, uh, one of the coolest characters in the Star Wars universe, and one of the characters that actually ends up starting the Rebellion. Um, so, uh, of course, anyone who's been listening to us knows uh, Ahsoka Tano, and of course that you also know that we're all big fans of Ahsoka Tano, mm. uh, and the internet kind of exploded. I was waiting in line at pavilions to get in and buy some groceries uh, when it happened, and really, it just kind of like, you know, uh, with everybody stuck at home and looking for stuff to do, this just sort of went crazy, and Star Wars fans just lost their minds. Uh, mm. You know, obviously Rosario Dawson, super, super cool, uh, super geek-friendly actress who's been in a lot of really cool genre things like Daredevil, uh, the Marvel TV series on Netflix and other stuff. But uh, the bigger news, even than Rosario Dawson, I think, is that Ahsoka Tano is going to make the leap from animation to live action. Uh, And what that means for the Star Wars universe going forward, uh, lots of discussion about that. Um, So... With that, I mean, that's the big news. Uh, I think like Johnny said, talking about other things we'd wanna see, but I think also talking about how we got to this point, like what uh, what the Star Wars universe has been doing. I know like a lot of people uh, who have been listening to us know that there's a lot of criticisms of Star Wars as a franchise, uh, me particularly, but you know, with Rise of Skywalker, uh, with a lot of other things, obviously with the whole way they sort of, uh, a lot of people feel botched the new trilogy by having different directors come in, didn't have a really strong direction. We've talked a lot about the things that Star Wars as a franchise does wrong, um, but here is something that they do very, very different from Marvel, which is uh, tying in their animated universe. You know, Marvel has their animated series that are on Disney XD and are now on Disney Plus that you can watch, but they, aside from having the same characters, the stories aren't the same, the continuity's not the same. It's kind of a separate thing that just sort of continues on those characters. Star Wars made a very different decision, and when you look at what they've done with Rogue One, with Solo, with The Mandalorian, you can kind of see a different strategy than what Marvel's doing, than what DC is doing. And I think with the Ahsoka Tano casting, we're seeing it really, really pay off for them in a big way at a time when they really need some big news post Rise of Skywalker. Mm -hmm. Um, So with that said, uh, what do you guys think about all this and what are your thoughts? Well, in terms of the casting, I mean, I think that's awesome. I mean, every, like, as, as we discussed before, like I, I had to watch all the Clone Wars leading up to season seven. So I really garnered an affection not just for Ahsoka Tano, but for a lot of characters that we would kind of see in the background in the mm-hmm. prequels, um, like Plo Koon, for example. Uh, for example. Plo, Koon, Plo Koon is a, a great, great, awesome character. Um, having uh, a performer at the caliber of Rosario Dawson, um, and, you know, this is becoming more commonplace, that big, big names will do limited-run television series, but it definitely yeah. speaks to Lu- Lucasfilm. They understand the popularity of this character, and that's why they're giving that role to someone as established, as sort of, again, geek revered as Rosario Dawson. Um, in terms of what you were saying, Mike, about this is how Star Wars sort of separates itself from Marvel. 
Like, yeah, I mean, the, the Marvel movies, now that we're seeing the Disney Plus shows, whatever What If is going to be. Like, obviously, it's, it's going to have the MCU players, but it's not going to be necessarily connected. Um, what that is going to do is, you know, they've had 23 movies. Star Wars has had 11. So they have the real estate in terms of other mediums, whether it be the animated series, whether it be the comic books or the novels that are now all officially canon. I think it's, they, they have a lot of things on the table that they can use. And it's very smart that they are now starting to use them. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. And I think Rosario Dawson's a great choice. Um, I like that they went with a woman of color. I have to be, I have to be honest with you. I thought that was fantastic. And you know, so Katano in my mind is a woman of color is a, is a character of color. I've always thought that way. Cause the orange skin, and everything like that. I just always, and just the, the look of her felt exotic and I like that. And so, Okay, cool. Let's cast a woman of color play, and she's going to be an older woman of color. Rosario Dawson, I think, is in her forties, so that's going to be. So that means we're going to see, see an Ahsoka Tano that's a little more lived in, a little more grizzled, that has been through some adventures, some experiences. You know, we're still like I just finished watching the episode of Clone Wars that uh, episode five that just dropped. That's still a young Ahsoka Tano. That's not an Tano that's been out there doing the things that she's doing, and you know, she was with Sabine. So we'll see what situ- what of that kind of bleeds in to her story in the Mandalorian. Will she make a reference to that overall? We'll see. But of course, Rosario's done this with the Marvel TV shows coming in, doing a couple episodes of that nurse character and what have you. So it's not out of their own possibility for her to do it. So I like that they cast her in it. And she's done action film or action sequences before. So yeah. I got no problem with that. But I like that they're opening the door to this stuff, which is what you guys were kind of pitching me on to make this the main topic. The idea of opening the door to these characters. And I was just watching the episode. I was thinking, oh, yeah, her friend who did that whole who turned on her, that kind of situation uh, you could explore as well that you saw that they revisited from Clone Wars. Also, the idea of, for me, I'm always a big fan of Holdo. I love Holdo. I would love to see a live-action Holdo. I have never had uh, is that his name? Hondo? Is that his, what's Hondo. His name? Hondo. Hondo. Sorry. Hondo. Hondo. Sorry. Hold, I was thinking of Holdo is Laura Dern. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, Holdo is Laura Dern. But I'd like to see Hondo, which is, uh, which is that character. I always enjoy him when he showed up on Rebels. Wouldn't it be fun to see that? We've seen hints at the ghost we've seen hints at other characters uh popping up but never fully see them live action and i agree this is i think michael i think you make a great point i think this is the way for star wars to kind of move past the skywalker saga while still having characters that are connected to the skywalker saga exactly but don't but don't necessarily like have to talk about the skywalker saga or be knee deep in the skywalker saga we get to watch their own lives uh, well even uh, yeah because to your point, uh, you know, just a quick rundown of the things that we have seen, because I mean, I think yep. that Rogue One was the first time that this really happened in Star Wars. Rogue One came out and we had like a wealth of sort of like Rebels, Star Wars Rebels Easter egg. Right. Right. Uh, you know, Chopper, uh, the droid from Rebels had a cameo. He was spotted right. on Yavin 4 at the base. Uh, the ghost is seen at the Yavin base, which is the ship that they fly in Rebels. It's also in the big battle at the end over Scarif. Uh, General Sindula, who is Hera Sindula from uh, the Twi'lek captain from who captains the ghost, is uh, called for over the loudspeaker at Yavin 4. And then the biggest thing that happened in um, in Rogue One was the introduction of Forrest Whitaker's par- character, Saw Gerrera. Right. Uh, Saw Gerrera actually originally appeared as a much younger character, uh, voiced by Andrew Cascino, voiceover actress, actor. Uh, in season five of Clone Wars in a big mm-hmm. arc. So you had this character show up that was sort of integral to the plot who you could go back to the animated series and see his backstory. So that was like a really big indication that they were taking the animated series seriously and that yeah. it was actually a bigger part of the universe. 
then in Solo, that sort of continued on, even though it confused a lot of people because Darth Maul showed up at the end uh, as the right. as the head of the uh, Crimson Dawn crime syndicate. Um, which a lot of people were confused because obviously Darth Maul dies at the end of episode one, but viewers of Clone Wars knew that he had been brought back. He actually mentions Dothamir, uh, which is one of the planets from the animated series. Uh, even Rise of Skywalker, we get a hint of it. The ghost appears again. And then in Mandalorian, uh, and I think this is where things get really interesting, um, we have the Darksaber introduced at the end of the season, which we all talked about when it happened. Uh, and that ties into Mandalore, uh, the Mandalorian people, the Mandalorian race, what happened on Mandalore. And that's going to be a big part of this season seven of Clone Wars that's currently airing, where I believe based on the trailer, we're going to see Ahsoka and Darth Maul actually face off with each other. So yeah. clearly Ahsoka Tano's in season two of Mandalorian. The Darksaber is in season two of Mandalorian. What's really interesting is Jon Favreau uh, actually did the voice of Pre Vizsla a character on Clone right. Wars, right. Uh, which is which is the character who we first meet with the Darksaber. So obviously yeah. when Jon Favreau did Clone Wars, he met Dave Filoni, these guys talked, whatever it was uh, that something sparked something with Favreau where when he did go do Mandalorian, he was like, hey, I wanna like pull some of this stuff in, which is how you get Filoni in there. And it looks like they're really pulling in a lot. So yeah. uh, I think it all, I think that, this season of Clone Wars that is currently airing, season seven, and whatever happens with Ahsoka is gonna be really interesting to watch because I think we're gonna see some good indications of what we can look forward to in season two of Mandalorian. Uh, yeah. And I think that the other thing, Johnny, to your point, uh, you know, they call Ahsoka Tano a guest star based on the way season one of Mandalorian rolled out. That means she could just appear in one episode or maybe yeah. she appears in one episode and comes back in the finale. Like, I don't think we should expect her to be the star uh, right. Mando is the star of Mandalorian. But I think that by casting uh, an actress on the caliber of Rosario Dawson, it sort of speaks to the fact that they're at least keeping the possibility open that this is somebody who could take on a much bigger role in the Star yeah. Wars universe. Look, if Ewan McGregor was going to step down and do that Kenobi series into a TV series, why couldn't Rosario Dawson do that as an Ahsoka Tano? She could be launched from here, certainly. Shannon, sorry. Well, yeah, and just going forward, um, knowing that the Star Wars films are on a little bit of a break right now, yeah. there are more Star Wars series coming. There's the Kenobi series that is in the pipeline. There's the Cassian Andor. I mean, these are three different types yeah. of shows in three different settings. So you have a very kind of wide canvas of characters to which to work. Yeah, and, and I still think we've got more to come from Gina Carano's character in the second season as well yeah, in Mandalorian. We and I think the Ahsoka stuff would kind of get in the way with that if you made it too much about her. Uh, and well, but what's interesting, Shannon, to your point, and kind of similar to the role that Rosario played in the Marvel shows, mm. uh, the Cassian Andor series uh, would lead up to Rogue One, uh, which is the beginning of the rebellion. The Obi-Wan Kenobi series takes place, obviously, uh, also leading up to Rogue One as he is on Tatooine looking over Luke Skywalker. Uh, and obviously the Mando series takes place post Return of the Jedi, but uh, given Ahsoka's age in Star Wars Rebels, plus when we see her at the end of Star Wars Rebels, which is post Jedi, Rosario Dawson could technically play Ahsoka in all of those eras if they were to have her show up in all of those series. Yeah. She yeah. is she is alive and kicking and going on adventures, uh, you know, we're about to see what happened to her leading up to sort of Revenge of the Sith, but yeah. anyone who watches Rebels knows that Ahsoka Tano is sort of, uh, as I was saying, like essential to getting the rebellion started. 
and then post rebels uh, goes off in search of Ezra with Sabine, which John was talking yeah. about. So there's a lot of adventures for her. Uh, and I think like there's just, she, kind of, I was talking to a friend of mine who said this and I don't disagree. Uh, Ahsoka Tano is sort of the, uh, maybe the, the great hope to save star Wars. Yeah. that's. Uh, it, it, I think that, it, yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Johnny. No, no, as you were saying that, it, that idea actually occurred to me in my mind as you were saying it. This idea that Ahsoka could be the savior that was promised, right? This idea of the balance of the universe, the balance of the force, because she has rejected the Jedi ways, but not to go evil, just to look like there's something else out there. There's something more in the middle. And, you know, a lot of people think she's the first or one of the first great Jedi or great paladins. That's certainly possible with her character. Qui-Gon Jinn, a lot of people thought was a great Jedi or can make cases that he might be a great Jedi, great Jedi as well. So that you might be right, Mike, this idea of being too extreme one way, too extreme the other way. You just mentioned the Ryan Johnson stuff. The middle is where most of us exist. So the middle is where we usually try to find our heroes who understand the balance. And maybe Ahsoka Tano is the one that's supposed to bring balance to the universe. Wouldn't that? Shock? That's interesting. That is actually not what I meant, but that's a really good okay. point. Uh, what okay. my friend said was more like speaking from a franchise standpoint, although I think you make some really good points in that direction. Hmm. I just mean that like, I, I think that post episode seven, eight, nine, uh, although I very much like Daisy Ridley and I very much like the character of Ray and I oh, like sure. Poe Dameron, like I don't think any of these characters really grabbed people the way that maybe you would want characters to grab you. I think that they're fun characters. I think people really like them. I think there's a younger generation that's growing up with them that is probably much more tied to them than I am. So I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying this is any kind of extreme, what like, but I think that uh, I I think Ahsoka Tano sort of is all the things that they wanted Ray to be. I think she already is those things. I think she represents the, she, she, she was a character that was hated when she was first introduced, like Star Wars fans despised her. And now people are flipping out that she's going to be in live action. I think that her journey from being Anakin's Padawan to leaving the Jedi Order, to starting the rebellion, to doing whatever she's going to do that we don't know, only Dave Filoni really knows what what he has planned for her. I think she represents a direction for the Star Wars universe that uh, is much stronger, more hopeful and more optimistic than where we left things post episode nine. And more realistic, to be honest yeah. with you, and how to approach this thing. What do you think, Shan? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything everything that you guys have said, I, I echo. I mean, and depending on her reception in uh, Mandalorian, who's to say that we don't get an Ahsoka film? I mean, yeah, there's yeah. nothing to say that, they, that she couldn't then make the leap to the big screen. I mean, that's the great thing. And, and again, not to, not to toot the Disney horn, but I mean, that, that's the great thing that they've done is making the Marvel universe, making the Star Wars universe, mm. making everything is is canon now. So yeah. you can you can have people hop from one medium to another. And I think for fans like us, for 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 big time fans like us, for big time fans like our listeners, that's an exciting thing. For casual yeah. fans, great as well. I mean there's no, there's no downside to it. Right. And I think but I think what what's great about cat what again to echo your point, what Disney does really well in Marvel and what I think they're doing well with Ahsoka is that the hardcore fans know who she is. The casual fans don't. But the casual fans pick up on the excitement of the hardcore fans. Mm-hmm. And the casual fans, you did this all the time with Marvel where you'd be like, oh my God, Loki's in the movie. Well, who's Loki? Thor's brother. He's like a trickster. Okay, I got it. 
Ahsoka, who's Ahsoka Tano? She was Anakin Skywalker's Padawan. She trained with him during the Clone Wars before he became Darth Vader. Like, there's a quick, like, sort of two, three sentence thing you can say to people, to the yeah. casual fan. They're like, oh, that's cool. Okay, I want to, yeah, yeah, I want to see more of that. Uh, right. So it's, it's, it's interesting. I think that there are, there's a lot of excitement around this. I hope it pays off. Uh, I'm su- obviously super excited about it. Is there one character, and we got to wrap up here in a couple of minutes, but is there one character that you all like would like to see jump over from either prints, comic book, or TV uh, and become live action in a, in a feature film? Are we or, or in a series? I'm wondering if Shannon and I are going to say the same thing. What's yours, Shannon? Dr. Afra. Dr. Afra! I have to, sadly, I have to concur with my colleagues. I agree. Uh, I, Dr. Afra is my, would have been my choice. I thought it was going to be cute and say that, but no, you guys agree as well. That is such a fantastic character. Really enjoyed, when I was reading the comic books, I really enjoyed her character for the first, what, 20 issues or whatever that she was on. Then she got her own series and everything like that. So I've always enjoyed her character and such an interesting new character in the Star Wars universe, an archaeologist or a, what is it? A, a, yeah, I guess an archaeologist, but who's also like on the side of Darth Vader and kind of humanizes Vader, for lack of a better term. I like that character. Yeah, I think people compare her to Indiana Jones. I think she's more Nate Drake because she's not... Fair. She's not necessarily, I mean, she's a treasure hunter. I mean, yeah, right, yes, right. She, she is learned, but she's doing it for profit. She's working yes. for Vader kind of because she has to, but also right. she's in it for the money. Yeah. I she's think Bella. that, yeah, actually, <laughs> I, I think, think she's that Bella. she, <laughs> I think that she represents, uh, a, and, and a lot of the same things that happened with Ahsoka Tano is, is you always, all of these franchises, whether it be Harry Potter, DC, Marvel, whatever, they're always introducing mm-hmm. new characters and you hope a character hits. Like, you know, here's a new character in a new superhero comic. Here's a new this, here's a new that. And every once in a while, you get this magic thing that happens. And that absolutely happened with Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Something worked right with her. They had a good handle on her. People fell in love with her. And especially the moment she left the Jedi Order, I think that's when she went from being a character that people liked to being like, she is now on her own epic journey. And Doc Afra, right out of the gate, was just such a interesting character that in a world of Jedis and smugglers and bounty hunters and everything, she broke the mold a little bit. She was this yeah. different thing. Uh, like, to your point, she's a treasure hunter in space with very loose morals who takes a job for Darth Vader where yeah. she's basically being threatened with death almost every episode and somehow weasels her way out every time. She's just fun. She's a great character. And putting a character like Doc Afra in uh, any of the series that are coming up in her own series, in anything like she just, she again represents that the fun and the silliness along with the action and adventure that you want in a star Wars story. Yeah. I don't disagree at all. Uh, well, we'll see what happens coming down uh, soon with uh, Ahsoka Tana. Well, not soon, but relatively soon with the Ahsoka Tana character uh, and what Rosario. Because obviously they've already shot this. And uh, mm-hmm. so we'll see if that'll be a trailer that comes out soon to kind of get people ready. Because it's supposed to come out, I think, in October, the second season, right? It's supposed to yeah. debut in October mm-hmm. of this year. So we're rounding that corner as we go into summer and there's not much else going on in theaters. So why not start dropping some of these trailers to get people excited? and get them to revisit the first season all over again uh, while they're uh, self-isolating. So it, it makes sense to me overall. And I hope to get an interview with Rosario Dawson down the pike if I can uh, before, as we get closer to the show's release. It'd be kind of fun to put up on the show. Uh, and maybe the three of us can do it remotely with her. Who knows? We'll see. We'll It'd be see. awesome. Hey. Uh, 
but yeah, it would be fun. Uh, all right. Any uh, last things to say before we wrap up? No? All right. Good to go. All right. Thanks, everybody, for watching this uh, episode of the Geek Buddies. Always appreciate you all. We, we always appreciate you all taking the time to download it or to listen to us on the podcast feed. It's always great to hear your thoughts and your responses. And in fact, I spoke to someone who has been listening to us uh, for about uh, two months now and said to me that this is his favorite podcast uh, that is on the Outlaw Nation. So that's, that's very sweet of him to say. They said it really enjoys all our perspectives and the different kind of perspectives uh, from people. We're not just fans, you know, Michael being an executive, uh, uh, Shannon being a writer in this industry and us, me being a critic. It's just different approaches uh, to this material. It's fun to hear the different points of views. So thank you to all of you who take the time to compliment us. It's always sweet. Uh, Shannon, where can they find us? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel, it's at MK2. And if you'd like to follow Mr. Roca, it's at the Roca Says. Right down there. Mikey. Uh, I just have nothing fancy to say. We're all on quarantine and we have no, I was trying to think of some clever Jedi thing, but I wasn't going to get there in time. So I'm just going to say this guys, we're all on quarantine. Everybody is at home. Everybody is looking for stuff to do. Tell your friends to check this out, like send them geek buddies. They'll have months and months and months of back episodes to check out, uh, join in the conversation. Uh, you know, go ahead and like subscribe below. Uh, they're right there. Subscribe down there. Uh, leave us some comments. Some really great comments in the past few weeks that we've been checking out on the YouTube page. Uh, you know, if you're listening to us on iTunes or Anchor or Spotify, rate us there. Leave comments there. Retweet us. Facebook us. Tell people on Instagram. Like, let's get this conversation going because hey, what else are we gonna do for the next two weeks? <laughs> let's right. just talk about some geeky stuff. Let's pass the time away and be as uh, and have as much fun as we can under the circumstances. Agreed. Agreed. Well, there you go. That's uh, this episode of the Geek Buddies. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.